Okay, we ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Can I do the whole thing in an emperor voice? Because that'd be awesome. I'm not going to. I'd probably tear my throat up or something. Oh. He was about to say yes. Oh. <laughs> I was. I, I would love that. <laughs> there are a few things on this green earth that I love more than your Palpatine impression. Matthew. <laughs> That's I, I don't know whether to be like mildly complimented or sad for you. Maybe both. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> Welcome to better worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Trevor. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dustin. This is part one of our episode about Star Wars, a solo story. (laughs) But first, a word from our Matthew. (laughs) Okay. okay. Matthew? Where'd you go? thought there was going to be more lead in that okay so <laughs> i also said but wanted, first i said but first a word from our matthew and then i was tempted to do like a commercial in the voice of the emperor oh. like did you know you can electrocute your opponents alive with nothing but your bands then what's he selling the sith power unlimited <laughs> power <laughs> oh dear Okay, so the thing I actually wanted to talk about was um, that I, that Star Wars um, fandom is alive and well across many experiential realms, including one of the bigger Star Wars fans in the Marvel Universe is actually Captain Marvel, who was teased at the end of um, Infinity War and we discussed. Um, but she is a big fan of Star Wars, so much so that she named her cat Chewie. And she loves her cat. And that's the only thing I really wanted to mention. And I hope Chewie makes it into um, her movie. I'm glad I know this now. Also, given her like relative uh, spaciness, it kind of makes some sense. And she's like an Air Force pilot, so I guess it could... She probably has certain like affinity for watching the trench run and whatnot. Oh, uh, yeah. Do we know when in the 90s her movie is going to be set? Um, The 1990s. I feel like it's early 90s, but I don't know that for sure. Okay. Well, if it's early 90s, then it even has the glory of being pre-special edition. So (laughs) I would hope it's, I mean, just on a percentage chance, it's likely that it's there. That makes sense. So Trevor, you also had some Marvel follow-up, Re the Waldos. Yeah. um, In the Infinity War episodes, you had mentioned that the arms of the Iron Spider suit were called Waldos. And my reaction was incredulous. And I thought that Iron Man was just being goofy. But I realized while editing the episodes that I should just look up the word Waldo and see if it is in fact a word. And it is in fact just a word for a remote manipulator such as would be used with puppets. Did you see where the name came from? Uh, yes, I did. 
the origin, as noted in the dictionary, is 1940s, named after a Robert Heinlein character. I don't know what the story is, though. The short story is just called Waldo. Oh, really? Okay. Is it about a creepy puppeteer? I didn't actually read the story. I just saw that okay. it was a thing looking into it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That makes the context seem, again, and I'm in the same boat as you. It's nice that it's less random. Yeah. I also don't know why I'm assuming the puppeteer is creepy, um, but I am. But yeah, it's nice to know that it's actually a word and not just like a random thing. Oh, the um, image for it is pretty spectacular. For like are, you looking, the, are you looking at Wikipedia? Yeah, well, for the magazine in which it was. Oh, for the actual short story? Yeah. Oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm trying to find the short story that you mentioned. And so I scrolled down until I saw Waldo character. And I was like, oh, this must be it. And then I saw the fictional main character of Where's Waldo. And I thought, oh, the Heinlein book is called Where's Waldo. <laughs> and then I clicked on it and realized it's this, it's Where's Waldo. Um, <laughs> I can't oh short story okay Waldo short story the picture looks like some kind of crazy industrial thing was the adjective that you used astounding oh it's like a giant robot arm it's like a giant robot arm terrorizing yeah it, it's like, like it's knocked through a wall <laughs> it's like if that one robot arm from the Iron Man movies turned into like Godzilla yeah it looks a lot like that machine actually which would be why they're... Maybe he named the spider legs after his favorite robot. It could be. Maybe that robot's name is Waldo. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's better than the way it plays out in the actual thing. Also, apparently, the context... They are called Waldos in real life, even in NASA and some things, which I think is interesting. That probably leads to lots of NASA people making bad Where's Waldo jokes. Apparently, the robot arm in the story calls humans smooth apes and i feel like i've heard that elsewhere referenced but i don't know where anyway it's better than meat sacks yeah his home's location is called freehold that got like transported into a destiny reference for a place on mars oh yeah hmm the more you learn isn't i thought that was in um firefly maybe that's all references back to this robot's home maybe it's just a common town name it could be that too, like convergent story evolution. I'm probably wrong. A quick Google search free uh freehold firefly did not return anything, so freehold mass effect. Wow, I misspelled that. Freehold <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's in Andromeda. This is boring. <laughs> Anyway, that's... Bored now. So anyway, any other Marvel-related follow-up? First, I want to share with you guys the first result from my freehold Lord of the Rings Google search. Oh, it's going to be good. It's surprisingly applicable. The first result for me is Lego. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Wait, I need to see what happens for me now. What was the search term exactly? Freehold Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, I already had clicked your link, so that might have been... Uh, this is not good. 
What? This marching band. Oh. <laughs> I don't think act- they tuned. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I didn't actually listen to the video. I just saw the the title and shared it with you guys. Now I'm going to listen. Sorry. BRB. Oh! Well, I'm going to cut it off right there. It does not sound good. I'm so sorry, Freehold Township Marching Patriots. I'm sure you've gotten better in the last nine years. Also, this is at Brick Competition, which I'm wondering if that's some sort of Lego football marching band competition. And maybe that's why Lego came up in my search. This episode has taken a turn. Honestly, I couldn't tell what songs they were playing. (laughs) No, I don't think that's it at all. Uh, it was pretty bad. Um. Okay. What is happening? <laughs> I don't. Apparently, apparently, it's also a Valerian thing. Valerian. Oh, but not the space thing. Apparently, Valerian is also a Game of Thrones things, and then Freehold is a. Oh boy. I think the word Freehold is common. Maybe we should move on. No, let's discuss a Freehold. <laughs> So we break its grip on freehold and take back our wait how's that go what's all this stuff about valeria versus numenor i don't even want to know i'm just sitting here shaking my head oh i have follow-up on amazon lord of the rings oh i'm interested in that the topic has been confirmed um it is going to be about young aragorn shocker who could have guessed I mean, I guess he's kind of old, so he he's old by the time you get to Lord of the Rings, so I guess there's a lot they could plumb through. There's about 10 pages of appendix that look like they're going to be the source material. I don't know. I will give it a chance if Peter Jackson has absolutely nothing to do with it. I think he does have, doesn't he have something to do with it? I don't know. Well, I'll check closer if- to the date. If he does, he has a good track record of taking a short amount of source material and making it into three great movies. What? Well, let's, okay. Um, For screenplays, it's about a page per minute, right? I don't know. Sounds right to me. And there's 10 pages of appendix. So he should be (laughs) able to get at least a good 30 minutes out of that, right? Oh, at least a three-part movie of, no. Yeah, I think it's a three-part movie. Well, I mean, it's a TV show, but... See, you have to read between the lines of the appendix. And between those, between lines. You know, when they first were talking about doing a Hobbit movie, it was attached to Guillermo del Toro, and I was more interested in that, and then when that no longer happened, I lost interest. (laughs) Yeah, I, I didn't pay any attention to it once it became a Peter Jackson thing. See, I made the mistake of seeing all three of them. <laughs> I knew that it would just make me angry. Yep. So I avoided it. Um, and on that note, if you're listening to this and you like The Hobbit, that's fine. I don't begrudge you at all for that. 
And I just want to say that because I've seen a lot of stuff this week about how people have to like certain things and dislike certain things. And I just want to say it's okay for people to like different things. Yeah. And we've talked before about the specific reasons of why we don't like Peter Jackson's rendition of The Hobbit and also, I think, The Lord of the Rings for Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, the week of Solo's release has been a hotbed of opinions about what other people are allowed to like or not allowed to like. So, can a period of time be a hotbed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like all the, the other, like The Force Awakens. or Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's all this baggage about how, like, there's a lot of baggage around The Last Jedi and now there's more baggage around Solo, and there's like kind of the assumption... We're not talking about Solo yet. Anyway, people can like different things. Would this be a good time for me to talk about Deadpool? Sure. Yes. And on that note, I have follow-up regarding the comment I made about Deadpool 2 a couple episodes ago when we talked about movie trailers. I mentioned that Betsy was kind of mildly interested in Deadpool 2 after seeing the trailer. We checked out Deadpool from the library to give it a watch, see if we wanted to see Deadpool 2. And it only confirmed that I was correct in my initial decision to not watch Deadpool. And it wasn't even because of anything specific that I thought was offensive or anything. I just honestly didn't even think it was funny. That makes sense. But you know, different people have different opinions. So, I mean, I watched it. I gave it a shot. I had no interest in the characters. I didn't find the story compelling at all. And I didn't really even think the jokes were funny. So I don't really feel the need to bother any further with it. If other people like it, that's fine, but it's not my cup of tea. That is all I have to say about that. (laughs) Sounds good. Matthew, what's this about hardworking donkeys that you were mentioning last time we recorded? Um, you from Assassin's Creed Origins. I did encounter a donkey that was not working hard and was taking a break, and I find it appropriate because it was in a vision of the afterlife. <laughs> and the donkey was just chilling out, and I at first was like, "A donkey that's not working? What? Why is this happening? Why is oh right." And I was like, did the developers do this on purpose to show the donkey? It was like, look, they've been working this entire game. They just need a break. <laughs> they've been working independently of any human direction the whole time. So that's just like, you've been self-motivated and hardworking. Just, you know, you've earned your rest. It's also kind of depressing because the only time they get to rest is in death. <laughs> oh, gee, I haven't had that prospect ever. You know, that... <laughs> Let's not go there. That's going to go into too deep of an existential hole. <laughs> All right, we've exhausted our uh, pre-Star Wars discussion. Now we get into Rolo, a Star Wars candy. Opening that card. Oh, card. I thought you were making a Sabacc reference, but I see you're talking about Trello. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rio Durant Generico. <laughs> Do we have anything to say that is not a spoiler? You ranked this 
above The Force Awakens as far as the Disney movies yes. go. Yeah. The Force Awakens is still my least favorite Star Wars movie. Again, it's okay for people to like different things. I don't want to fight anybody about this. As <laughs> I hate when other people say, don't at me. <laughs> um, it has, it features a young Han Solo and a younger Chewbacca as well as Lando Calrissian and the Millennium Falcon. How long does this t- take place? You can give it to me either before the New Hope or after um, the episode three. I wasn't sure exactly on the timeline. Which, which answer would you like first? Whichever one makes more sense to you. To give About 10 years. Um, I need about ten, about ten years from what? <laughs> and the other answer is about ten years. Okay. <laughs> there are nineteen years. Oh, in, ten years between. Okay, I got gotcha. you. There are nineteen years in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, and I feel like about ten years means that it is in approximation equidistant from the two movies. So you're mentioning the main action of the movie is ten years between. Yes. Not the opening. Right. Okay. So I guess the the opening is, what, three years earlier? Yes. Actually, I have more questions regarding the timing, uh, but they're kind of in spoiler territory, so I want to save those for later. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, okay. Um, I have one non-spoiler item, because I don't think we've had a fin fact yet. We haven't, and that was by design. <laughs> Are you trying to retire them? I I am, again, trying to retire them, yeah. Every time you try to retire them, I keep bringing them back. Yeah. Um, Well, I have follow-up. I have follow-up on a prior fin fact. (laughs) I... (laughs) Welcome to Better Worlds. (laughs) But it relates to Solo. We are talking about Solo, a Star Wars story, and I have a follow-up on a fin fact that also relates to Solo, a Star Wars story. I had mentioned in a previous fin fact that a widely reviled Star Wars game, it's like a <laughs> Street Fighter kind of game, is called Star Wars Masters of Terras Kasi. And Terras Kasi is in fact Finnish for Steel Hand. And when I mentioned this, I also said I had no idea why these Finnish words were being used for the name of Star Wars video game. And what do you know? Terrace Kasi gets mentioned in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, is that what she says? That is, yes, that is the martial (laughs) arts practice that is mentioned in the movie by a certain character. Um, Whoa. (laughs) And I, (laughs) um, yeah, so I had to look at this after watching the movie and I realized that the earliest mention of Terrace Kasi that I can find find is in shadows of the empire which was released in 1996 the video game came out in 1997 i don't know if that means that it was coined in the novel and then used as the name of the game or if it was coined for the game and then put into the novel as like a marketing tie-in teaser kind of thing i honestly don't know i would guess that it was invented for the novel because that's usually how these things go with the Lucasfilm stuff. 
at least at that time. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I just thought it was cool to have a reference like that to the Star Wars expanded universe, even the older legends stuff. And also to realize that the video game name was not just a random thing, but it was actually from one of the books as well. Well, thank you for that fin fact. You're welcome. I still don't know why it's Finnish. I guess that, uh, I guess that there are fins in Star Wars. Maybe the person, well, you said it was coined in the book or probably coined in the book. So the author probably just, oh, wait, you're looking for an in-universe reason. Considering Finland doesn't exist in-universe, and for that matter, neither does England. I don't know where I'm going with this now. Well, it was created on the planet Bunduki by the followers of Palawa, refugees of the planet Palawa, which means it's either Bunduki or Palawa, which are apparently Finns. None of this means anything. Is this like Battlestar Galactica where the people from Star Wars eventually settle on Earth? That has been speculated. I do not hold to that, but it has been put forth by others. I was unaware of this. Interesting. There are some, I think they're Infinity stories that explore that possibility. In my, Have I told you guys my opinion on the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away thing? Mm-mm. Yes, you have. Oh, I don't recall it. Oh, well, go ahead and repeat it. My opinion is that Star Wars is in fact set in an indeterminate future and place, but it is framed as a fairy tale or myth. So it's, I mean, honestly, the timeline doesn't matter. So past or future, it doesn't actually matter. But the point of the phrase a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is not to say that it happened in our past, but rather to frame it from wherever it is being told as a fairy tale. But I think the idea is that it's a futuristic fairy tale. So I would say it's from the future, but it's being told from even further in the future. I don't think this is a popular opinion, but it is mine. (laughs) That's that's an interesting idea. I don't. It, so, would you say the popular opinion is just a literal reading of that opening? That seems to be the most common opinion I come across is that it's just a literal, like literally, this happened a long time ago. Honestly, I've never really thought to think about it in any more depth than a literal reading. So, okay. well, I think the most important part is that the framing as a fairy tale is far more important than the actual time frame. Yeah. That's the really important part. Interesting. It's like, I mean, it's like once upon a time. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. And I don't have any objections to your opinion, though. I'm sure there are those out there that would. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I have no doubt about that. Shall we move into the spoiler district? Yes. Okay, if you have not seen Solo, a Star Wars story, a movie about young Han Solo, young Lando, and younger Chewie, then stop listening. Goodbye. They're gone now. (laughs) I heard them logging off. What do you guys want to talk about in relation to this movie? 
That was not phrased like a human. <laughs> was it not? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about in relation to this movie? <laughs> Just That's fair. Sorry, that was mean. I apologize. Go on. Should we start with um, overall impressions, I guess? Do we have any overall impressions? I guess those would have been good to put in front, but... I can move the spoiler warning. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was it was okay. It wasn't my favorite. Um, and there were parts where watching it, I thought, I'm enjoying this. But then other parts where... I guess after watching it and thinking about it, writing down a list of things to talk about, I started to think maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was coming out of the theater. I don't know. Okay. However, some of my impression will probably hinge on answers I get from you regarding questions that I have. Okay. So no, uh, no pressure. I went in with zero expectations for it. Yeah. And maybe, maybe not zero, either expecting it to be like completely neutral or probably bad and i enjoyed it generally well enough that i was like okay that exceeded my expectations i guess is my general impression yeah i didn't really know what to think of it going in so i would say that i had no to low expectations as well at least with rogue one we knew kind of what the story was about in this movie we just knew who the main character was going to be so yeah yeah. I take that and bet. my one thing I was looking I was looking forward to seeing young Lando. That was my main thing. Yeah. I was extremely nervous when they announced that they were doing a young Han Solo movie because putting anybody else in that role just seems risky. And so like you guys said, or at least one of you said, I just lowered my expectations basically down to the floor <laughs> um, and just said, you know, this is going to be what it is. I'm just going to take it for what it is. And I didn't watch any trailers or anything because I didn't want to get myself thinking about it too much beforehand. Um, so that wasn't as much about avoiding spoilers as just keeping myself from thinking about it too much before even giving it a chance. Um, I was excited for Lando. Um, I heard a lot of people express all sorts of opinions about what they hoped the story would or wouldn't be about. Like I know some people wanted to see the Kessel run and the Sabak game and other people were emphatic that they didn't want to see those things. And I, I still see people arguing on Twitter about whether or not anybody does want to see or should want to see those things and statements about nobody, no true Star Wars fan actually wants to see this stuff. And, you know, as I said earlier, different people like different things deal with it, you know? Um, so I came out thinking the movie was fun. I, I did enjoy it. I know some people really loved it. I think that's great. Um, I think the people who think the movie shouldn't exist. Uh, I'm sorry that Star Wars is so difficult for you right now. 
but I'm happy for the people who did enjoy it. And I will, I'm sure I'll enjoy rewatching it and thinking about it. And, you know, it's part of the canon now, so it is what it is. I still have my beloved Han Solo trilogy right here. <laughs> if I want to engage the older backstory, then that's fine. So, yeah. I thought the the guy playing Han, I I thought he did better than I feared. So, you know, he did fine. Uh, that was my biggest fear was that he would not be convincing as Han. And a lot of the times it almost just didn't matter if he was Han or just some random other guy, which is not the strongest praise, I guess. But there were other times where I legit thought like this guy is Han Solo. Specifically, the moment that stood out was um, when they say feed him to the beast or whatever. And he responds, wait, there's a beast now in that specific moment i remember thinking holy cow he's han solo <laughs> um there were a lot of other moments with both han and lando where i felt like it kind of went in and out and i didn't know how convinced i was but overall the movie worked and was fun so i think it it could have gone very badly and it didn't so i'm happy with it so kind of a question leading out of that how much of the uh frame I don't know how to say this. How much of the narrative of this was made for the movie and how much of it was established beforehand? So to like clarify that, was he in the Imperial Navy, whatever you would call it? Was he an Imperial person in, was that a widely known fact before this or what was there always a, I don't know how much of this just existed before the movie and the movie was just putting it in stone for the movie level. Yeah. Um, I was pleasantly surprised how much they kept. And I know some people would have rather not seen certain stuff or had more changed, but I was pleasantly surprised how much they kept the things that had existed for a long time were he had been in the Imperial Navy, um, as a pilot. I don't think he got like bumped down to the army um i think he was actually flying the entire time i could be wrong he was in the navy he saved chewbacca's life and freed him from slavery that was how he ended up out of the navy um he won the millennium falcon from lando in a game of sabacc obviously i mean that much is mentioned in the empire strikes back um and they play with that expectation which i thought was interesting yeah, yeah. Um, and then some of the stuff around the Kessel Run was also preserved from some of the old backstory. Like in in the old story, what it was was not like his very first flight with the Millennium Falcon, but in his smuggling days, there was one particular time where he was making the somewhat routine run to smuggle spice from Kessel. And he... Uh, got ambushed by some Imperials and actually I'm sorry, I'm mixing things up. The, the older stories did have the Kessel run and the Maw and the Maw was a cluster of black holes. And so when a smuggler is doing the Kessel run, there's the question in, in the older stories, there was always the question of how they navigated around the black holes and 
how close they cut to the black holes. And so cutting closer to a black hole would obviously you could get a more direct route, but then there'd be some question of like bending space and stuff. I, I mean, I don't know the pseudoscience, <laughs> um, but that part was changed, but still kind of there. Like they still had a thing called the Ma, which was related to, I don't know would that qualify as a black hole. It was in their words, a gravity well. Would that qualify or is it something different? Well, a gravity well is just everything has a gravity well. So, Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and it was just one instead of a cluster that they were navigating. They, that, that felt kind of weird to me, the way they kind of changed the maw. Well, the maw was the gravity thing, but then they had the maelstrom around it. That felt kind of Star Trekky to me. Maybe just new Star Trek. The idea of having like a giant space storm. I took it as a nebula. Okay. I was thinking it was like a planetary nebula or something. That might have been. Yeah, I wasn't sure what it was. Um, but that kind of replaced the original idea of it just being a whole bunch of black holes. Um, but yeah, as as far as Matthew's question, in the Imperial Navy, rescued Chewie and saved his life, had to go on the run, and then did the Kessel run in a shorter distance by cutting close to black holes and or dangerous things. That stuff was all there in the old story. Along with winning the Falcon from Lando in a game of Sabacc. I was glad that they left in the fact that he was in the Imperial Navy for a little while. I didn't want to see that go. Not having known that when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is surprising. That was like kind of what prompted my question was like, was this something they cooked up for the story in this or was that always the case? Because I just, it feels so, I guess it helps explain the character of Han overall in a way, but it felt surprising because it is so far away from where he is when you initially meet him in the original trilogy. Yeah. And in the old books, it's even more of a separation from where he ends up in the original trilogy because he actually wanted to get into the Imperial Navy because he was raised by uh, space criminals and he had this aspiration to go learn to be a really good pilot. And so he joined the Imperial Navy because that was his ticket to something better. Um, and then once he, uh, after he saved Chewie's life, he had to go do something else. And that was when he got into smuggling and went on the run. Um, and in this one, he kind of, he didn't really aspire to be in the Navy. He just like, that was his way off the planet. I guess he did still have the aspect of wanting to be a pilot. But I felt like in the older books, he actually kind of wanted to be in the Imperial Navy a little more than in this one. He didn't get uh, kicked out for like insubordination or anything in the old stuff. He just, I mean, aside from saving people's lives and running away. <laughs> but yeah, I was surprised how much they kept of that. So uh, piggybacking off of talking about the, the Maw in the past, I remember you talking about or mentioning to me different 
I guess they were fan theories of what uh, Han means when he says that he did the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs in Star Wars A New Hope. And one of them was that in order to make it in that short of a distance, you would have to have a, an extremely fast ship because of the the Maw being the collection of black holes at that point. Um, but there was others. like I think you subscribed to him, him being a kind of a huckster and he's trying to trick or I guess he's trying to see how much he can get away with um, Luke and Obi-Wan or maybe that was from the explanation from George Lucas I don't remember I think that might have been something George Lucas said um, and I've heard other people espouse that it's kind of like um, just trying to see how much he could trick them to get a sense of how much money he could wring out of them. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of testing the waters. Um, but yeah, even if George Lucas said that, I still like the explanation involving actually cutting through somewhere that's supposed to be unnavigable mm-hmm. or, you know, navigating more daringly than other people or with a better ship. I, I like that explanation um, perhaps just because I read the books so long ago that put that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of liked having an actual explanation for it. I can, I can see the appeal of the Huckster explanation though. So I guess my question uh, from that would be, how did you feel um, with that being finally pinned down to a true like in this movie, we got a couple instances of there might have been some fan theories out there, uh, but now we have a canon explanation of what that meant or how something came about. Overall, what was, how do you feel about that being uh, something being pinned down as opposed to letting fan theories exist? I feel good about it simply because an explanation very close to that was canon before the Disney acquisition. And oh, okay. I know a lot of people refuse to acknowledge that the old books were canon, but they were. <laughs> so there were different levels of canon. And it, basically the books were canon unless a movie came out and contradicted them. And that explanation or an explanation very close to that was in a book. So it was canon up until what, like 2014 uh, 2015. So it's almost like it went away for a few years and now it's back. It doesn't really feel new to me because it's so close to what was there before. Yeah. Okay. That was just, a. I had a curiosity regarding that. Um, also regarding the mail. Oh, I forgot the, the, the other, the other piece I forgot to mention of, the framework of the story, the fact that he grew up as a kid, he was like a street rat on Corellia. That part was also in the older books. I think that's everything. Street rat went into the Navy, saved Chewbacca, did the Kessel run with the Ma. That's it. Cool. 
Yeah, that is, I mean, that's quite a bit of preservation, which is good to see. Going back to the Maelstrom, um, I noticed when they were flying through there that the music playing was the exact same music as that in the Empire Strikes Back when they're going through the asteroid field. Like they just took that same track and played it there. I knew there was like a a musical reference to it. I wasn't sure how much though. Oh, well maybe I just, I'm not questioning your assessment. I'm just saying at the time I was like, they're referencing this. Okay. But I personally did not notice how much of it it was. Okay. Um, Now that you've got me questioning, because I, I know that there was at least a section that was exactly the same um, because I've listened to that soundtrack a lot with my kids. Um, No, I, I'm not, saying you're wrong i'm just saying you right were able well to i assess more of it than i was oh i was gonna say i can't uh verify that it was the entire sequence um but there was at least a part that was taken straight from it of the original trilogy um no never mind i was gonna say empire strikes back might be the one i listened to the least but it has yoda in the force so that's not true I probably listened to them all equally, but I don't. I don't particularly remember the asteroid field. My kids just re- often requested um, Star Wars music be played when we were doing various things, and okay. a common request was Empire Strikes Back. So. Okay. Anyway, did you have particular feelings about that? I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, it felt like there were a lot of musical cue references. And honestly, I thought it was a little heavy-handed. I would have been okay with some of them. What were some others? Because I didn't notice them. I can't remember what they all were. But I just felt like there were a lot of them. Hmm. Those, like, in terms of overall references, I didn't feel like they were really all that heavy-handed. They were mostly fairly subtle stuff. But the musical references sometimes seemed kind of on the nose. But I guess that's a pretty good place to be if the worst fan service is musical cues, then it's probably a good problem. Do you want to start going through the things that you wanted to talk about on the the checklist? I just made a list of characters so that we would (laughs) just kind of jog our memory, I guess. Oh, I see. I thought you had specific things that you wanted to say about each character. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so are we done talking about Han specifically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys felt like he did good job? The actor? Yeah. I, well, okay, so I thought I had, I was really pulling for him and uh, Kira, and I was, I guess, sad at the end that she left and all that because I'm a sap. Um, and there was a moment in the theater when I realized, well, he, he and Leia find each other later. And so if he were to have a more formal relationship with Kira, then that would, I mean, we know the future, his future, I guess. And I shouldn't feel bad about this moment, but then Thinking about that, I was, I guess I had 
enough disconnect between Han Solo in the original trilogy and this Han Solo that it seemed like I was watching a Han Solo, but it wasn't the same Han Solo. And so this romantic pursuit I can get behind and root for and not feel bad about it being against <laughs> Leia because it's a different Han Solo. Like it just, it's a guy with the same name. It kind of contextualizes <laughs> though, how that relationship eventually falls apart because it shows how he probably develops the inability to long-term trust anyone when he was like so wholly dedicated to a romantic relationship early on that like betrayed him so much. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't why they split. No, but I'm saying it probably shows like a level of psychological seeding in Han Solo that makes it uh, makes him like instinctually distrust romantic relationships, even if he is in one that he believes in more or less. They spread. I'm not trying to say that is the reason. I'm yeah. saying it could be a contributing factor. Okay, like he might self sabotage in other ways that are. Yeah, tangentially related. In a way, almost as a defense mechanism against being hurt so badly again. But I mean, there were a larger reasons. So anyway. So that's not to say that the actor did a bad job. It's so much as I, I guess Han Solo is so iconic that, and this is a very, um, I guess it's just hard for me to see two actors and connect them as the same person. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess it, he had big shoes to fill. So yeah, he yeah, gets kind sure. of some slack just because of that. I would still rather have this or a trilogy of these than a trilogy of movies where Shia LaBeouf <laughs> takes on the role of Indiana Jones. Yeah, for sure. I remember the honestly, I I don't think I hate Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as much as most people. Like the whole alien thing worked for me. <laughs> but when Shia LaBeouf picked up the hat at the end of the movie, I was like, Oh, you get your hands off of that hat. Don't you dare. Don't <laughs> you dare put that hat on. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, Han. Um, it's interesting to think like there's ten years between this and a new hope so there's a whole lot of time for his character to grow and change and so it's it might be tough for the writers to even know how much of a balance to strike in making him the character that we know but also making him different so like he needs to have the antecedents that lead to the person we know mm-hmm. but he also needs to be different in enough ways that it's not, he shouldn't be the same guy. If he's the same guy, then they're not doing their job. Right. Uh, Even if he's the same guy by the end of the movie, there's still another 10 years to go. So he still has a lot of growth or uh, the other thing. (laughs) Development. Getting jaded. He still has a lot of time to get jaded and world weary and good at what he does and everything. That's a really good point. And uh, I'm glad that you shared that because it makes me feel a little bit better about all of what I had said. 
And also I had a point on my notebook that said that we didn't really get a scoundrel moment. Like I was expecting there to be, especially at the end when he's watching Kira fly away, that that would be the point when he becomes more of the, the guy that we see at the start of a new hope where he doesn't care about what's uh, the right thing to do, or I don't know the, the altruistic thing. He just wants his money. Um, Not that that's really who he is inside. And he does do the altruistic thing at the end of the movie, but the, at least the facade that he puts up is he just wants to get paid and he doesn't care about, you know, the values. So with what you just said in mind, I'm throwing that out as a a concern. So thanks for sharing that. Um, well, the scoundrel moment is when he kills Beckett. I was going to say, when he shot first, that wasn't a scoundrel enough for you? Well, I don't know. I definitely, I mean, I was looking for the scoundrel stuff too. And I... At the time that I was watching the movie, I thought it would have been more convincing if he had decided not to give the money to Enfins and her crew. I thought he should have ultimately decided to keep the money. But yeah, now that I've had... And that's more of the scoundrel thing that I'm talking about. I Yeah, shooting first is a scoundrel move, but I was going more for like being concerned about getting paid. And then he goes and does an altruistic thing at the end. Yeah. Now that I've had time to think about it, giving the money to infants kind of works for me because he is a kind of innocent kid at that point. He, he wants to save the girl who doesn't want to be saved. Um, and I don't know if he's, I'm not saying that it's about impressing her or anything, but his main motivation is he wants to save her and he wants to get a ship at that point. I don't think he really cares a whole lot about the money other than as a means to getting those two things. Yeah. So if he thinks that he can still save her and possibly get a ship and not worry about that money, I think he's at that point, he's young and naive and thinks that that's okay. And I think that the experience of giving the money away and then realizing how much he gave away <laughs> might lead him to later on. I mean, that could play a part in the process of him becoming jaded and thinking, you know, I've been suckered into this stuff before. I'm not going to let these people not pay me just because they're a rebellion. I've been through this before. I want my money. Like, I've been screwed over enough times. Just give me my money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me make myself abundantly clear. I do the job. I get paid. (laughs) Someone I um, saw this with said that when they had seen Firefly, they were like, well, this character has shades of Han Solo, or Mal has shades of Han Solo. And they said after watching this, they're like, oddly, I feel now like Han Solo has shades of Mal. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of makes sense. I guess that's just an artifact of now Han is the one in active development again. Yeah. And Mal is the one that is a preserved and completed relic. (laughs) Okay. We're ready to move on to Lando. Yep. I was really excited for Lando. You guys were really excited for Lando. It sounded like. 
Yes. I also had one specific fear about Lando going into this. And that was, I was afraid that they would make him notorious. Whereas in the books that I have read, and I'm talking specifically in the new Disney canon books, Lando values his anonymity and he doesn't like he's a con man first and foremost and he doesn't want people to know who he is because it makes it harder to pull off cons and i felt like that was not entirely held to in the movie but i guess that's kind of a nitpick i don't think that would affect most viewers i guess i could see the point though I thought he, um, that Donald Glover did a very good job with the role to the extent that sometimes when he was talking, I almost thought it was, and like, especially if he was talking and he was talking off screen, I could, you, I could have mistaken him for Billy D. Williams, which, uh, just the, he nailed the speech pattern and I was pleased by that. I agree, but I can't decide if I liked it or not because I felt like it wasn't entirely consistent. And so there were moments where I was really pleased at how much he sounded like Billy D. Williams. And then there were other moments where I was like, you just slipped out of it again. And maybe this would be more consistent if you just did your own Lando instead of, it was like, instead of Donald Glover playing Lando, it was Donald Glover playing Billy D. Williams playing Lando. Mm. (laughs) There were definitely a lot of parts that really worked and I'm still happy with the role overall. I just wonder, and you know, Betsy made the point that could even be chalked up to the change in directors. It might be that the scenes that felt slightly off to me might've been different directors than the ones that worked better. So I don't know. Um, That's all speculation there's no way to really know and honestly most movies these days i like them more after i've seen them twice so i think i'll probably warm up to it as i watch it more i really liked when he was sitting in the cockpit making or dictating like a novel about the uh, the adventures of lando i thought that was funny but that does go against your valuing anonymity um, so I guess that's an area of contradiction from the pre- previous canon of since Disney took the reins, but I thought that was a, I enjoyed that. I really liked that moment. I won't complain about that. And there could be any number of reasons that that could still fit. Cause maybe he is doing that just for his own enjoyment. Maybe mm-hmm. he, is not going to release it until he feels like he's made his fortune. You know, there could be any any number of reasons that still works. And that was a reference to the old Lando Calrissian books. Um, I have not read them. I think it's the adventures of Lando Calrissian. It's a trilogy. One of the books is called Lando Calrissian and the mind harp of Sharu. And in that sentence, he mentions Sharu. Oh, so nice. I think he may have actually been narrating the events of those books. So (laughs) it's almost as if those books have now been canonized as the 
embellished memoirs <laughs> of Lando Calrissian. Nice. <laughs> the feel I got, and in that moment, but also I guess in other spots, was of a like an old west gambler con man, um, yeah. which goes well with the sabak, sabak or sabat, sabak, sabak game. So, so I want to. There was a line that was um, when they're that they're using to introduce Lando, where they're like, they whatever the lead in line is. Like I heard a lot about you, or heard this about you, and he's like, everything you've heard about me is true. It has kind of like the feel of a cool line. I don't. I think it's actually a terrible line because I just imagine someone like I can only think of joking comebacks to it. Like I heard you drank your own urine for ten dollars. Like just. Or, <laughs> I heard you slept with a Wookiee. Like, there's just tons of stuff that they could throw in there that just, like, makes that line completely undermined. And I, it doesn't play as cool for me as I think they think it plays. I don't know. Anyway, that's my minor complaint with that line. I st- Apart from my complaint about him not wanting to be infamous, I actually did like that line. Um because it's almost as if I, I almost, I kind of like the invitation to just be like, whatever outlandish stories you have heard, it is all gloriously true. And I can tell you why it's a good thing. Maybe, I don't know. I felt like somehow that again, aside from my already stated complaints, that line did work for me. I think it presumes a lot of goodwill on the talk on the idea of people talking about you. Um, Which doesn't make sense in. But if the person's attitude is. uh, What's the what's that phrase? Any. Any all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Any any publicity is good publicity. Something like that. So what if someone had said, like, I heard you were a self-aggrandizing moron or something like that. At least you heard about me. I, I feel like he would somehow suavely turn it around to did you just say I was grand or something (laughs) I don't know I feel I mean I'm not suave enough to explain how he would suavely turn it around but I feel like he would (laughs) I feel like this is a Batman scenario where like well we don't know how he'd get out of it but Batman would come up with a solution I'm not ragging on Batman I'm used to using that as the first thing that came to mind where someone's like well he's always going to win because he's Batman (laughs) true statement there's a moon crashing down on him. He's Batman. He's got a way out of it. He has a plan. But the thing the thing about both Han and Lando is although they are smooth in a way, they do have their faults. And so what I'm saying is I'm okay with there being a bit of a fault in Lando in Lando's suaveness. Lando. Oh, we got to go with Lando now. <laughs> Han and Lando. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked the retcon of him mispronouncing Han's name all the time. <laughs> Wait, how is that a retcon? Wasn't it a, a goof? Originally? He calls him Han all the way through the original trilogy. Yeah. It's like Billy D. Williams just couldn't pronounce it correctly. Right. And like, I mean, it's not a retcon per se, but it's like, instead of just being like, why does supposedly one of this guy's best friends like not know how to say his name? Now there's a, like, when he met him, he said his name wrong and then just, like, kept doing it to annoy him. Yeah, I liked that part. 
I appreciated that explanation. So retcon might not be the right term, but I, I like that bit of, yeah. And just because someone is close to you in one way or another doesn't mean they're going to get your name right. Because I literally have an uncle who I was like, I'm Matthew. And he's like, no, I, and he's like, hey, Matt, sorry, get Matt. Oh, I just can't do it. You're going to be Matt. Just <laughs> gave up at one point. <laughs> and he is also someone who has a name that is typically shortened and in demands. He goes by a longer version of it. <laughs> so there you have it interesting I answer to several names because a lot of people can't ever get Trevor right <laughs> <laughs> I get Justin a lot <laughs> that makes sense like there are people who can like probably go years thinking my name is Travis and I just don't bother to correct them how <laughs> that doesn't did I ever tell you guys how I went for years with someone thinking I was Trevor? Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite I, story. <laughs> I didn't correct them because one, that would be awkward. But two, I was kind of honored. <laughs> Trevor, a Dustin story. <laughs> Anything else we want to cover about Lando? Lando, you mean. Um, he was not in it as much as I expected, which maybe that's just because when I saw, saw things, I was like, well, this is the only thing I'm hoping for is a good portrayal. And I don't probably, I think we got that. It just, he was not in the movie as much as I thought he was going to be. So I don't know, maybe what were your expectations yeah. on his activity yeah. level? I see what you're saying. I think he was in it about the right amount, but I do see what you're saying. How did you feel about the capes joke? What joke? The joke about how he had an entire closet full of nothing but capes and how he was like attached to all of his fancy capes. I liked it. He's always been a snappy dresser. (laughs) By which I mean capes. Also, I'm a hunter, so I'm going to like that. Yeah. (laughs) I too have a large collection of capes. They weren't quite as snazzy as all of Lando, so. They are not. Most of them are also torn into little shreds and covered in blood and stuff, so. Some of them are only (laughs) a a makeshift scarf. We're talking about Destiny, people. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them are scarves, yes. What kind of scarf did you say? Makeshift. Makeshift, okay. I thought you said spaceship scarf, and then I was like, wait, what? Is there one I haven't collected yet? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, I like that. Uh, I liked that he left them alone on the beach. That's all. <laughs> are we are we already falling asleep here? <laughs> no. Okay. I just I guess I'm afraid of progressing too quickly, and oh, so no. we're erring on the side of progressing very slowly to make sure everyone's got their. 10 cents in. All right. I crossed off Lando. Next up, Chewie. Okay. He was in this. I like that he, um, not liked, but it was, it felt like uh, it was weird that we had a whole thing about like, oh, they can rip people's arms off. Or like, be, there was that joke about ripping people's arms off and you never actually saw a Wookiee be quite that violent. And he ripped someone's arms off. Off screen, but he did it. 
I also thought it was funny that Han was like, great, that was a, a uniform that would have fit me perfectly, but uh, I'll go with this one. <laughs> it was an unappreciated detail of one of the Lego Star Wars games that when you could play as Chewie, if you got close enough to melee someone, you didn't actually hit them. You just went up and popped off their arms and then they kind of disintegrated. <laughs> which is less gruesome in Lego form. <laughs> I'm not crazy about the idea that Chewie maybe ate people for a while. Yeah, that was weird. Are Wookiees carnivores? Yeah. Was he stuck in a pit starving? Possibly. When I mentioned this to Betsy, she had a an explanation around it. I personally thought that he was eating people and thought of it as a bit of revenge on the people who were so happy to see him eat porgs. It's like, oh yeah, well, he would eat you too, huh? Um, but Betsy had an explanation around it, which is he never actually ate the people. They were dropped into the pit. They assumed that he had violent intent and attacked him, and he defended himself. But he never actually ate anybody. And the reason they mentioned feeding him as a factor and how violent he was, was just a misconception on the soldier's part about what was happening. So, Yeah, it could be. I mean, if they, especially if they don't understand Wookiees as anything but beasts. Yeah. Like, you have a beast, you feed people the beast. It's just how it works. Yeah. Did he actually... I can't remember. In The Last Jedi, did he actually eat a pork, or did he just cook them? Uh, and was ready to eat them? He definitely had it all cooked up. Yes, but was he... I feel like a poor, like, then he felt guilty because all the little alive porks were looking at him and, like, missing their uncle or whatever. That's true. I thought it was their mama, but. Well, it's even worse, but okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he actually ate it or not. And then he spent the rest of the movie trying to make a, amends for it by, like, incorporating them into <laughs> everything. His battle armor. Or was he farming them for food? What? I... <laughs> I said incorporating them into his battle armor. So if he gets <laughs> shot, a porg takes the shot instead of him. <laughs> Is the Millennium Falcon his battle armor? Wait, he didn't. <laughs> he wasn't running through the buildings with porgs on him. I, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, and I don't remember all the scenes with porgs. When does Chewie run through buildings? I don't know. It doesn't. Maybe that's The Force Awakens. I'm pretty sure all he does in The Last Jedi is sit near the water with a fire cooking porgs, and then he flies the Millennium Falcon. So yeah, if a TIE fighter were to shoot through the glass of the cockpit, it would hit the porg first. That's true. That's That's his battle armor. (laughs) And if they pierced the cockpit and it began to vent to space, one of the porgs would like fly up and plug the hole. I would say this was too gruesome, but they literally had concept art of like Porg self beheading playing with lightsabers. So they obviously had thought about it. (laughs) I was so scared in that part of the movie. Um, Anyway, I liked the part where Han seemed skeptical that Chewie could help fly, but then as soon as Chewie sat down, he, the first thing he did was turn on the headlights. I did, even though. He turned the headlights on. Yeah, the headlights, I mean, it doesn't make any sense in space, sure, but just kind of reinforced the idea that Han doesn't really know how to drive this thing yet and didn't even know where the headlights were. Doesn't the encounter with Han in the pit disprove Betsy's theory? 
because I don't recall Han attacking Chewie. Because Han didn't attack him. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. She's wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Betsy. Good job, Dustin. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I. They're going to argue for hours now. It doesn't <laughs> feel to me like he really saved Chewie's life either. Yeah, that doesn't. I thought that was or like that he should owe him a life debt, like the way you had told me. Yeah. Chewie did most of the work. Does that just emphasize Chewie's loyalty? I guess so. Oh, wait, no, we can work this out. He was delirious with hunger because he wasn't eating any humans. So he. (laughs) And then Han told him later, oh, yeah, there were like these guys shooting at you. I like dived in front of the blaster bolts. You you owe me a life debt. And he was like, I guess that's true. And you gave me that sandwich (laughs) afterwards. So. (laughs) Do they have sandwiches in Star Wars? Probably. (laughs) I'm checking. Yes. A sandwich was food wrapped in two slices of bread. Appears in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Deception, Dark Disciple, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Tales from Wild Space, Stop Thief, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, First Appearance, A Recipe for Death, Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Aliens, Volume 1. How is Attack of the Clones the first appearance of a sandwich? And why don't I remember this? It's probably in the novelization. Whoa, there are way more sandwiches in Legends. Let's talk about something else. (laughs) There are way more sandwiches in Legends. Trevor, tell us the legends of sandwiches. No. That's how that's... Legends were true. I'm just imagining really, like, mind-bendingly good sandwiches. Anything else about Chewy? I liked that, well, although it seems weird that in that instance you found out Han could speak Wookiee, but then you never, it never comes up again. Like, I guess he understands it, but obviously. Yeah. But he never tries to speak it again. Yeah. I think he spoke it so badly that Chu was like, okay, you can, I, I understand when you say the other thing better than when you try to speak Shriwook, so. Wait, what was the name of the language? Shriwook. Shriwook. Okay. At first, whenever Han tried or was speaking Wookiee, Shriwook, sorry, I thought he was just like drowning in the mud, like making a gurgling sound. And then I realized what he was doing. It's a good thing they put subtitles so that we would know that he was actually saying something. <laughs> right. Actually, so when I saw the subtitle and I thought, oh, he's drowning, but he just happens to say something in Shriwook. And then I realized, oh, no, he's speaking the language yeah i also appreciated that there were some points where he says like he knows a little bit and generally whenever someone says they know a little bit but in a movie uh they speak and it it sounds just fine but there were some grammatical issues in his translate in the the subtitles so i thought that was nicely a nice detail yeah (laughs) So one of the big scandals before the movie came out was, I mean, well, the big one was that the director changed. The two directors got fired and they brought in Ron Howard. The other big scandal was that they brought in an acting coach for, I can't remember his name, Alden Ehrenreich. 
Is that the guy's name? The guy who played Han. They brought in uh, an acting coach for the guy who played Han. And a lot of people responded, wow, that's a really bad sign. It just goes to show you can't replace Harrison Ford. They picked a guy who looks like him instead of a guy who can actually act. This is going to be a disaster. Anyway, word on the street now. I don't know if it's confirmed anywhere, but the word that everybody seems to be saying now is that the acting coach was actually there just as a dialect coach to help with the Shrewook, to like help him figure out how to make those sounds with his throat. So hmm. I kind of, I don't know if it's true, but I kind of hope it is just to stick it to all the people who thought that that was in and of itself a sign of disaster. So when they said acting coach, they really meant linguist. Um, I guess so. I mean, it's still like coach for, yeah, it's yeah, true. Anyway, still like coach for actors. I thought the other Wookiees on Kessel looked really weird. Yeah. I don't know what that was up with that. Like, because they were gaunt? It looked like they were from like the old Planet of the Apes movies or something. Yeah, one of them definitely did. I thought they looked really skinny, but then I was thinking maybe that's because they've been overworked and underfed. Maybe. And they were just losing hair. Could be. Are we done talking Chewy? Yes. <laughs> You can find the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 36. You can find us on Twitter at betterworldsnet. And you can join our Slack at slack.betterworlds.net. Thanks for listening. Go then. so much better that you i thought that you did the star wars solo story on purpose <laughs> i did not do that on purpose i might use that one though <laughs>